Relationship Rewire is made possible by support from its listeners. So please hit pause and go to growinglovenetwork.org and click on the donate button. Go ahead. We'll be glad to wait. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, where we talk about what's wrong and what's right with marriage and relationships in our world today. This episode is titled Marriage Management, and my guest is Tim Russo. Okay, so I have here with me Tim Russo today. I'm glad to have you with me, Tim. Mm, I'm glad to be here. You are a person that I've gotten to be good friends with over the last few years uh, through our connections with uh, working with marriages and uh, more specifically the San Antonio Marriage Initiative, which is doing wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And um, Tim has just come out with a new book. You just came out with this, what, about three months ago? A few months ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the book is called Marriage Management, subtitled A Practical Approach to Marital Fulfillment. Tim, tell us a little bit about, uh, just to get started, what got you into working with marriages? What What do you do? Uh, well, it, we'll have to go way back to uh, to talk to find a beginning point. I okay. Think. Yeah. I want to hear day one. <laughs> How much did you weigh? Well, I was born <laughs> in South Louisiana. So, uh, oh, no. We, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're good cutting this. I just, I didn't realize that. We we do not have people from Louisiana on this. No, just, there are wonderful uh, people from Louisiana. My aunt lives in Louisiana. Hey, hey. Yeah. She lives down, in, oh, I forgot the Saint something in down Martin by Baton Rouge. Uh, Francisville. That's it. St. Francisville. St. Francisville. St. Francisville. Named after St. Francis. Yeah, so uh, I became a believer at about age 17 and almost instantly knew that I was going to you know, spend my life serving the Lord and doing ministry of some kind. Right. And so uh, we planted a church uh, when I was way too young, about 29 years old, and pastored that church for about nine years. And a lot of our, my, a lot of my teaching was actually on marriage and family, maybe a little too much. <laughs> and so there came a, a point in there where I, I really felt like the Lord was, and Elaine did too, felt like the Lord was uh, leading us like more into a marriage and family emphasis. So that's actually when we moved to Texas, that was in 97. And so we've been working uh, specifically in marriage work, marriage and family work for uh, what, 20 years now, probably. Okay. And so, um, that's how it started. And we, we started out with, uh, I was doing more music than teaching in marriage conferences, working with, with someone else. And then I think the Lord used that to show me like, uh, Hey, you can do this, mm. you know, because at first it's a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we did it. And of course we made a lot of mistakes we continue to make mistakes, of course, but we continue to learn, and it's just been a great journey. And wouldn't I wouldn't want to be doing anything else? I tell Elaine all the time. I said I love what I do, and Elaine obviously loves what you do too, because she's at your side a lot. Of she is. Where I see you. So, uh, th- th- what is it that you do now? Well, I do a number of things. Uh, 
in reference to the San Antonio Marriage Initiative, I work primarily with churches to develop or to help them develop marriage ministries mm -hmm. and strategy, a year-round strategy. And then I also work with uh, senior pastors in the city. But our pastors groups are not like to help them with their work. We focus primarily on the man as a an individual, a husband and a dad. And so that's strictly where we work with uh, lead pastors because, you know, the family is already under attack and you add that high level position and you're, you're a target for the enemy. So yeah. Yeah. we do what we can to help support them. Good. Um, and then I do a lot of marriage counseling and working with couples. Uh, so that's it. This book is just Wait, what part about of that your, system. What about your training? We also train lay counselors. Okay. We do. And so we have a, a spring and a fall semester. And what's that called? That's uh, the, the our, our group is the Relational Impact Group. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually are graduating our first two students this month. All right. Yeah. Good deal. So. So it sounds like a lot like me. You do way too many too things. Too many things. And, uh, but I think you're more of a, a master of several of them. <laughs> no. Is your marriage getting worse instead of better? Has there been talk of separation? Or is either spouse considering divorce? If any of these apply, then Love Reboot is your answer. Come join the hundreds of couples who are once in despair and headed for divorce but are now experiencing a thriving, growing relationship after attending a Love Reboot weekend. Visit us at growinglovenetwork.org for more information on an upcoming Love Reboot workshop. Hello, this is Max Locato. You're listening to Relationship Rewire. Okay, so you've got this new book, Marriage uh, Management, and I wanted to ask you, because um, I, I have, uh, this is kind of how I read marriage books, so I'm just, okay. I'm just putting it out there in, uh, in front, up, up front. The way I read marriage books, since I have a, constantly a stack of them that I'm being given that I'm never catching up on, mm -hmm. is I just go like go through the whole thing in about 30 minutes looking for nuggets right, right. is there something in here i haven't heard before but i so i don't want to i don't want to um take anything away from this by going okay this is what jumped out at me i want i want to know why in the first place did you write this book what led you to say i need to write a, a book on marriage yeah that's very interesting so um when you consider the fact that i am in the you know my work involves information so i'm always dispensing information i'm learning and gathering information and so uh, as a husband on a personal level i had a ton of information but i was struggling to actually fit that into my life in a practical workable way mm -hmm. and so i had always heard like when i first became a believer i would hear these messages about a christian husband and leading your family and i was really excited to hear that this was brand new and i'm thinking wow i want to be that guy i want to be a good husband good leader good dad <clears throat> and then after several failed attempts i began to feel like i don't know if i like that message anymore <laughs> it's like uh you know got to the point where i really didn't want to hear it 
I really didn't want to hear uh, you should go to another marriage event or you should read another book on how to be a Christian husband because I had the mental image I had was I was in a wrestling match with this idea of being a, a spiritual leader in my home and it was it had me pinned to the mat and I didn't know how to get up and and get on top of it. You and think so, some of that because um, I I think what you're saying is such a common struggle. I mean, super common, husbands and wives. Uh, we Most of us want to be a better whatever we are. Uh, but husband and wife, the, the importance of that, we really want to be better. And so we think the key is learning more information, where that's a starting point, but if we just leave it there, then we actually create for ourselves even more problems because mm-hmm. what, like for instance, especially when it comes to marriages, you know, when you, when you're thinking about taking in information about your marriage versus if you're trying to take in information about how to follow Christ more. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know that, that, that information that you're learning about how to follow, follow Christ better, it's, you're, you're supposed to be applying it to you, you know, um, that's kind of the understood. Okay, this is to help me grow. But when it comes to marriage, it's like you're thinking. Also, in, at least in the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, and how can help? How can this help my spouse too? Mm-hmm. And so you're actually, um, as you're reading the information or being taught the information, there's this dual track of okay, how can this help me? But also, how can I help my spouse? And and you're you're human tendency is to actually be kind of making notes about how can I get my spouse to do this. So actually you may be creating more problems for yourself Hmm. than, than if you didn't learn the information in the first place. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. And and that goes back to, to, well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here because you had told me before that uh, there's something that you've, a big thing you've learned um, in Dealing with marriages. Uh, well, let me let me share a story, a quick story about what you just said. It's a little reversed, maybe, but uh, the first year of our marriage, Elaine and I had only been married a few months, and I had been working all day. I was exhausted. I came home, and uh, she was in the back bedroom, went to say hello. She had been reading this book on marriage. So you guys have more than one bedroom? You have a back bedroom? <laughs> And a front bedroom or a side bedroom? What? Back then we had it all at depends least one. on the mood. <laughs> which room, which bedroom you want to go to? Tonight? We were in the good bedroom. You know, you're uh, going to that bedroom. She, I'm going to the back bedroom. <laughs> I think she was folding clothes or something. Yeah. And she started telling me about this marriage book she was reading and very excited about it and started to, to tell me a little bit about what it said about to husbands and how there were some things that maybe I could learn from it. And, mm-hmm. and then we have this running joke where she would say, you really need to read this book. <laughs> and, and I know yeah. I, I'm, every time I hear that, I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. It's so, kind of like when, 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 when our spouses tell us, we need to talk. It's like, Nick, get me out of here. I know it's going to be some kind of attempt to change me. So she was, uh, she was sharing these things. And then, so she, she started to repeat herself and I was, I was angry. I was feeling like I'm exhausted and I just got home and now you're, you're lecturing me is how I was feeling. I didn't have a, the best attitude, right? Yeah. I'm a young man. But that's, that's, that's human nature though. It is. Yeah. That's that. And this is like why we stress so much 
to when we're teaching our stuff, just keep bringing it back. What does this have to say about you, not mm -hmm. about your spouse? Because it's just our default to go, okay, how can I apply this to my spouse? Mm. Yeah. And and that just, when we start doing it, we just, first of all, we stop growing ourselves, but then we we touch that that nerve on the other person that just automatically sends them into defense mode. And it just makes things worse. Yeah. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no, good. So, so anyway, she's, she was telling me all these great things that the book had to offer about husbands and how we could, I could benefit. And then she started to repeat some of those points. And I just put my finger up and said, uh, you already said that and turned around and walked off while she was talking. Hmm. I don't remember. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I, that's what I did. So I walked into the, uh, our living area and I pulled my Bible off the bookshelf and sat down thinking, and now she's still talking pretty loud in the back. And, uh, I'm thinking, uh, I'm going to be the spiritual one here. And so I, I open my Bible and it flips open to the book of Colossians chapter three. And my eye goes to verse 19 and it says, husbands love your wives and do not grow bitter toward them. <laughs> And I honestly was very confused in that moment. I was thinking, well, why are you correcting me when she, listen, listen to that. She's the You're one supposed to be telling me how to answer exactly. her. <laughs> um, and so I learned two things that day. Number one, I learned that I did not understand my wife. Now I was brought up in a home with three other brothers, no sisters. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of adjusting to do, but I did not understand her. I didn't understand how she processed life, how she interpreted situations, how, why she needed to discuss so many things. I mean, I just did not understand her. And then the second thing I learned was because I didn't understand her, I was growing bitter toward her. And so what the Lord was doing in that moment for both me and Elaine was he was saying, Tim, you are, you're not paying attention. She is screaming for your understanding. She wants you to know her. She wants you to hear her and you are not giving her that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so you're frustrating her, exasperating her, and you're getting bitter because she is who she is. Mm -hmm. So that was a beginning of a, a long journey of uh, learning to see life through someone else's eyes. You know, that brings up another point because we we're talking about, I, I was just mentioning how sometimes, you know, if you're going to learn about how to come closer to God, um, even in those cases, sometimes we go, for instance, to scripture with the wrong heart. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why I have to, um, in my daily reading, I have to stop before I even read the first word and go, okay, Lord. Help me to hear what you want me to hear, not to be looking for what I want to say. Uh, You're a smart man. That's the, well, <laughs> that took me, I guess if you call getting smart by the time you're like 45, then <laughs> it took me a long time to, to realize that most of the time I was going to scripture looking for something to back up my, my perspective, my mm -hmm. point of view. Yeah, I think that's what I was doing that day. Yeah. Cool. So you had asked me a question. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what you asked. <laughs> you asked um, about some of the things I've learned about marriage through the years. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things that I think um, can be beneficial to people um, is, number one, 
to see that uh, marriage is a, a covenant and it doesn't really do anything. It's like a vehicle. It's God's vehicle. Two people get in it and it simply reflects the condition of these two individuals. And so sometimes I will say to a couple, um, I'll try to explain that really you can't fix a marriage and that that is confusing at first glance. But but then I explain that the reason you can't fix a marriage is because it doesn't do anything. It just simply reflects the condition of the two people in it. So if you have two strong, thriving, healthy people in a marriage, then you actually have a strong, thriving, healthy marriage. Mm -hmm. If you have two people who are struggling and weak and discouraged, you're going to have a, a, a struggling, weak, discouraged marriage. So, so the only way really to improve... So it's not, it's not just about finding the right person. I don't... Listen, here's what I tell. Because <laughs> I, I meet with a lot of young single men, and today there's such a fear of commitment, it seems, to uh, making that decision to, to marry or to ask a girl to marry um, her. And so I'll say this, and you may want to edit this, I don't know, but I'll say uh, if the Apostle Paul was sitting in, in this chair in this room with us, and you asked him, should I marry this girl? Here's what I think he would say. He would ask, is she a believer? And uh, if you say, yes, she's a believer, he would say, well, marry her then. Hmm. Now, that's very simplistic, I know. Yeah. But it's, it's intended to provoke a thought of, okay, what is enough for me to know about this person before I marry this person. How, you know, how reassured do I need to be? How yeah. do I know it's going to work? Mm -hmm. And so that those questions almost force us to ask, what are we trusting in? Mm -hmm. And so uh, if it's the one or, you know, the one you marry is the one. Is what it's I think. The one you marry is the one you marry. That's She's right. the one. So they become the one. the one. Yeah. Right. They become your soulmate. Uh, exactly. Right. Yeah, I think people actually um, like to say finding a soulmate is a whole lot more about being a soulmate. Uh, because, yeah, some people have no business getting married in their current state of mind. They could marry the most wonderful person in the world that is very, you know, similarly or equally yoked to them. Um, but... If they're not, if you know, if, if you yourself are, are not a kind of person that's going to contribute positively to a marriage, then you ain't going to have a good marriage. Yeah, and then you know, the, the question of like, why do I want to get married anyway? Like, what, what is, why do I want to do that? And the answer to that question is really important. I've never had anybody that I know of got married for the right reasons <laughs> yeah. I mean, does anybody go uh i want to marry somebody so that i can lay down my life for them as christ right. did for learn me. how to sacrifice yeah right. no it's like it's mostly we all get married for me right right <laughs> so another thing that i have learned through the years about marriage and sometimes this this idea can be helpful is i think there's a difference between the marriage covenant and the marriage relationship. And so the way I separate those is um, I imagine if you're on a bus, like you're married, you, you and your spouse are on a bus, that bus represents the marriage covenant. So if you are married, 
Your marriage is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with your marriage. Now, your relationship within that marriage is possibly in trouble, and that's where we need to pay attention and give some some effort to. So there are times when you're on that bus with your spouse and you are sitting in the same seat, snuggled up close, whispering little secrets to one another, and it's a wonderful experience. There are other times when you're as far apart on opposite sides of that bus or opposite ends of that bus uh, because you don't really want to talk to each other at that moment. But even in those moments, I like your marriage is cause fine. Because I would be back there in that restroom where I can <laughs> shut the door. That's, some that's my time. retreat. Play. Yeah. <laughs> I need alone time. <laughs> so sometimes it's helpful to think, okay, wow, you mean my marriage is okay even when we are not at a place where we can have a productive conversation. Yes. Even when we don't like each other. Yes, your marriage is fine. Your relationship is in trouble. But that can be repaired. And here's here's what I think is an awful mistake that, that we sometimes make in, in marriage. We think in order to solve the relationship problem, we have to um, dissolve the marriage. That, that in order to solve this pain in the relationship, we have to kill the marriage. And those are those are not. That's not a solution. Mm-hmm. So I the think relationship's going to go on whether or not you stay married. Yeah, and and you are going to go on. And so the the be- one of the beautiful things about marriage is it it f- almost forces us to see our flaws because that up close and personal relationship is unique to any other relationship. So so if if the, you're saying the the bus is the covenant. The bus is the covenant that we enter. So is there, do you have a symbol for the marriage? Is that the seat or the driver or? Well, I would call the marriage covenant the bus. Okay. So it's God's covenant. He created it. He has the copyright on it. Okay. Okay. So what's the relationship? Yeah, that's, that's the interaction. That's how we communicate, how we treat one another, whether or not we, we work as a team or not. Okay. Yeah. Making more sense. Yeah. Now, that was free, by the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, oh, you know, you asked me why did I write this book. I was I was starting to to say that I felt like I was in the wrestling match with, and this this idea of being a husband or a spiritual leader had me down in the mat. Yeah. So I was I was actually on a personal journey, uh, trying to manage my own soul, trying to understand the things that fed my soul and energized me as opposed to the things that depleted me. And so it was just kind of a personal management journey I was on. And we, we had take, we've got four daughters and we, we were taking our daughters through uh, a financial study and uh, we were presented with a budget and you had these categories. And so I began to, I think in pictures. So I began to, to see, wow, I could use this, this budget to manage my soul because I need income sources and I have expenses and some of those are necessary. Some are are unnecessary. I have soul debt. I have unresolved conflicts that, that happened in the past. I never paid for them in the past. Now they're requiring current resources. And if I don't have enough resources to cover this, I'm in trouble. And then investments. So those are like your school loans. Yeah. So, and then, so that went, then I translated that into the marriage context, and that's that helped me so much uh, 
to be able to, under, to see my marriage on paper, that, that there were intentional things that I could do that could feed my marriage and grow it. And there were things that I could do, if I'm not careful, that could destroy it, that mm-hmm. could weaken it. So, uh, so the budget, which is what this book is all about, is, is about helping people uh, see a simple way of managing their marriage because because marriage doesn't do anything uh it's not going to help itself it's not going to fix itself we're not going to wake up one day and uh all of a sudden we are best friends and we like each other and we like to hang out and it sounds like you're saying even more specifically not so much manage your marriage but manage your side of the relationship in marriage yes so in the book what i do is i have an individual budget that we recommend you complete first. So you, you as an individual will need to know, you know, what do I do to energize myself? When I'm upset, how do I calm myself? What, you know, what kind of things do I really enjoy doing that I feel, you know, are refreshing to me? And then what are the things that, that deplete me? So a a necessary expense for a couple might be um, talking about, parenting issues or Mm -hmm. financial situations. So, you know, some people get fired up about that and it energizes them, but the other spouse is like, it's like pulling teeth. It's such an expense. So you have to know yourself to where you can become uh, an interdependent couple and not, not, you know, depending on that other person for your emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. So that, that needs to come from Jesus. That's a big term a lot of people know, interdependence. So um, my understanding of that term is there's independence where, okay, I don't depend on this other person for anything. That's mm-hmm. kind of how things start off before you start a relationship. Um, but a lot of people believe that good marriage is working towards dependence on each other. But the interdependence is more the healthy it's where, no, we depend on each other for certain things that we don't depend on for, for other people, like, for instance, sex, mm-hmm. and possibly, um, well, no, I would say more than possibly, something you need to work towards, if you're not already, towards being each other's main confidant, mm-hmm. um, but they're not your only confidant, and you also get emotional fulfillment from other people, and you give emotional fulfillment to other people. Is that kind of how you see inter- interdependence? I do, yeah. Okay. And the other thing, uh, I think uh, Steve Covey in one of his books had said, if you compare this to business relationships, if you have a, if you have business partners and they're going to go into a partnership and one person is bringing all the capital, all the funds, all the expertise, all the you know, know-how and experience and the other guy is just hanging around, mm-hmm. that's not a partnership. Right. You know, because yeah. one is dependent on the other mm-hmm. where the strong one is not at all dependent on the other. So mm-hmm. interdependence is when you have two healthy uh, business partners who actually could run their own business by themselves, but they choose to partner because they see the potential and the synergy of of doing this life or this experience mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So I think interdependence in marriage is similar where you ha- when you have two healthy people who say, you know, we are better together. We can, we can glorify God better as a couple. Uh, and then we can have kids too. That's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and then they can glorify God. I think, uh, I, 
Gary Smalley, I think it was Gary Smalley, who said something that kind of sums up what I hear you're saying. It says, uh, one of the most romantic things you can tell your spouse is, I don't need you, hmm. but I want you. So kind of like this, like you're saying, the, the business partner, I don't need you to be able to survive and thrive on this planet or in my business, but I want you because with you working with me, I can do thrive even more than I, than I do. Yes. Well, and so another thing, um, when we look at a basic communication pyramid with the five levels of bottom level being cliche and the second level being facts. So you, you really don't have to have a big relationship with a person to talk on those two levels. Mm -hmm. But when you go up that pyramid and, and into the opinion level, now I'm beginning to risk something mm -hmm. because if I, if I can't handle you dis disapproving of me or disagreeing with me, then I'm not going to go to that level with you. I'm going to go back down to the safe zone. Mm -hmm. And then above that level would be the feelings level. And so it's not just what happened and what I think about it, but now this is what it makes me feel like when I experience that. Um, if you're not a safe person or if I believe you're not a safe person, I'm not going there with you. Right. I'm going down, back down to the safe levels we of communication. Call, we call it the shallow end. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fun, the fun end of the pool is down there where the deep end where it's over your head and there's a high dive and a slide and all that stuff. <laughs> but that's also the dangerous. So if I don't feel like I, if, if I think you're going to hold me under, I'm staying as far as when it comes to relating between you and I, I'm going to stay in the shallow end where I can touch the bottom. That's a great illustration. I love that illustration. <laughs> Well, so I think getting back to the interdependence, if I, I have to be okay with me enough so that if you disapprove of me or disagree with me, I'm still okay. Mm -hmm. Now that may make me sad. Mm -hmm. That may not be my preference, but I, I'm okay. My personal well-being doesn't depend on your, yeah. So that's how I would see interdependence. Yeah, I like that. Um, and so, and you know, it, it flies in the face of what so many people think of what is romantic you know it's like sounds so romantic to be uh oh all, all i need is you and all you need is me and but uh that becomes a, a huge heavy burden in in a fairly short time when you start realizing i cannot bear the load of this person's personal well-being yeah that's a, a that would be what i would call an unnecessary expense that's un, uh, unrealistic expectation take that one out the budget yeah. So, you know, I do this date night thing called Rhythm and Romance, and, and I refer to your book in it. Which well, one? Uh, the 365 or the Growing? No, the Growing uh, Love, where you talk about limerence. Oh, yeah. And so one of the songs that I will refer to, because uh, I use old And by the way, songs. for you listeners, Tim has an incredible voice. He can, <laughs> he can, he can sound like Otis Redding like, or... Not really. Frank Sinatra or... <laughs> But anyway, one like uh, one of the songs I refer to is the is the popular love song when a man loves a woman, and and one of the lines in that song says he he'll give up all his comfort and sleep out in the rain mm -hmm. if that's what she tells him to do, mm -hmm. and I I use that as an example of limerence. That is insane, <laughs> but but yeah. but the idea of romantic love is like oh this is what I'll do this. 
And, and all I need is the air that I breathe in to love you. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. And and the, those messages, though very unrealistic in most cases, have conditioned us mm-hmm. in our culture to expect romantic love to look a certain way. And if, if it doesn't look that way, we feel flawed or like we're missing out on something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so expectations, if they're not realistic, can be a huge unnecessary expense on a relationship. Yeah. And an unrealistic expectation would be, one big one, is that this person is going to fulfill me in every way and meet all my needs and be able to speak my love language fluently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so um, what's the main reason somebody would buy this book? What, what would it do for them? So, you know, like you, I have read many, many marriage books and I... I have a similar approach to you. I look at the, you know, the chapter titles and I say, well, let me just see what, what's going mm-hmm. on. But a lot of the, a lot of the marriage books that, uh, that I have read seem somewhat redundant uh, mm-hmm. and repetitive. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to write another marriage book. So as you read this book, you're not really going to get a lot of information. And so good. The topics, right. The topics that you, that I cover, I give maybe a one paragraph synopsis of why that's important, mm-hmm. but I don't go into long uh, explanations of like how to communicate, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you want to learn how to communicate, you need to get a book on communication. Yeah. This book is very practical in that it gives you a framework to actually apply all the information you have. Mm-hmm. Because most of us, if we stop reading books today, would have more information than we will ever need to get the job done as far as having a healthy and fulfilling marriage. Yeah. That's, uh, this is one of the biggest dangers of, you know, anytime I teach a class or the books that we have or anything, I'm speaking to a group of people on marriage is that so many people are just listening for, okay, what can I get out of this to to get my spouse to start doing different? We all know things that we could be doing better that would make our marriage better but mm-hmm. we're not doing them so yeah that's when when you said information is not the big thing in the book I was, and i said good because like yeah we don't need most people don't need more information most well, people listen you, to this podcast they probably read two or three books on marriage and they've gotten and that doesn't mean you don't you need to stop learning but if you're if the learning is not going into your heart and then ultimately going into your action that you're doing things differently then the the learning actually just creates a in your mind it sets the bar higher for what you expect the other person to do yeah and i think uh oh how could i phrase this pre-need learning doesn't stick with us like if i learn something before i actually need it i I don't re- retain it. it Especially it's not men, that important. Yeah. It's boring. It's the instructions boring. <laughs> we don't even take them out of the box until exactly. until we put it together wrong. But right? when you <laughs> but when you need to learn, then you need to learn. You need to you need to apply yourself and go get that information. And you yeah. will because you're motivated to do it. But to to just gather information for the fun of it or for the exercise of it is is not something that most of us right or at least I'm not eager to do mm-hmm. right right. So this book is, um, it is basically a plan, a strategy, a vehicle for you to 
get to work on your marriage. Because, you know, we've got a family friend who's a mechanical engineer, and he makes these sophisticated drawings, and he knows he's really good at what he does, but he has never um, applied this information. He's never built anything that he's designed. He doesn't like to get his hands dirty. (laughs) So he has all this information, and he... And he tells people how to do this, but he doesn't know how to do it. Hmm. And I think that's where we find ourselves. We think, I need to know more. That's my problem. And I think for us who have been working in the marriage space for years, we think, well, that's probably not your problem. Well, tell me what you do know. Hmm. And if we just get a little bit of of that information, we say, well, let's let's put that into practice. Right. And we're going to see huge benefits from from that application but Mm -hmm. that's the very thing that we resist (laughs) what's the uh is the the fireproof i can't tell you how many people have come have you read fireproof yes i have have you yeah oh isn't it wonderful did you do it well no (laughs) of course not (laughs) so you just wasted your time (laughs) yeah yeah that's so that, that sounds great so well, so this is this is actually giving people here's a starting point here's a here's a way to have a plan and to put stuff into action right because we are experts at um, ideas and theories and you know we talk about all these things we're, we're you know I guess it would we would used to say Monday morning quarterbacks but uh, yeah but now I guess it's uh, Sunday night quarterbacks I don't know <laughs> we watch the game and we can tell everybody what they ought to be doing right but yeah. we if we got on, on the field it would be a mess we need to get on the field we have to get in the game right or else we're never going to make progress right so one of the things one of the passages I, I cite is James chapter one where I he, he writes this very familiar piece where he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you just hear the word but you don't do it, it's like looking in a mirror and you turn away and you forget mm-hmm. who you were. But the very last line of that, that paragraph says, um, but he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it doing the work. This one would be blessed in what he does. And so I'll always comment, that verse doesn't say you'll be blessed in what you pray about or what you hope for, or what you talk about or argue about. Mm-hmm. God's blessings have always been on what we do. Mm-hmm. So as we do things his way, as we walk in obedience to his word as best we can, not perfectly for sure, but as best we can, God's blessings follow that. It's, it's our steps of faith uh, to do to do what love does, to be patient, to be kind, to to stretch ourselves and expand our capacity to, you know, to make room for Jesus basically in those those practical moments of our life. That's where we we begin to see the growth. <laughs> Can you imagine coming home every day and telling your wife or your husband, "Oh, I spent so much time today thinking about how I could be a better husband to you." That might sound great the first time, but <laughs> that's all you, you know. Yeah, what did I do for you? I thought about things I could do for you. And it's the thought that counts, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would get frustrating pretty quickly. Well, okay, this the book is called uh, Marriage Management. Marriage Management. The author is Tim Russo. 
He's the uh, founder of Winning Families the and the Relational Impact Group and the Biblical Counseling, Counseling and Coaching Institute and the Vice President of the San Antonio Marriage Initiative and serves as Biblical Counselor. You got too much on your plate, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I do. What are you, you going to kick back a little bit? I'm going to get a smaller plate. When, when you when you can afford to retire, right? Yeah, right. that's with it. All right. right. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you. I'm excited about this book. And uh, where can people get it? Uh, you can go to relationalimpact.com. Okay. And there's a link right at the top, Marriage Management Book. You can get it right there. Relationalimpact.com. And or you can go to Amazon, type in oh. Tim Russo, and it will pop up. Okay, and that's R-U-S-S-O. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, since you're from Louisiana, that was ex- spelled with an E and a U and an X at one time. No, because I am full-blooded Italian. Oh! So, that, even though I have you sound, Cajun culture I was going to say, me, you sound... I have you Italian got little tinges of Cajun group. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, 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 about one word every other sentence that it's just like, oh, yeah, he's got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, last Thank question. You. Is it New Orleans or Nolens or New Orleans or something else? I I really don't know. <laughs> How do you say it's it? It's like pecan, pecan, <laughs> pecan. Potato, <laughs> How do you say it? I say New Orleans. Okay. There it is, from a guy from Louisiana. Thanks a whole lot, Tim. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Relationship Rewire is produced by Growing Love Network. Growing Love Network exists to revolutionize our culture for lifelong love. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. We welcome your feedback on this and any of our podcasts. Just drop us an email at relationshiprewire at gmail.com. Is your church or organization looking for a course that doesn't just provide information, but actually transforms marriages and relationships? Visit us at growinglovenetwork.org to see how Growing Love can work for you. Growing Love has been chosen by the state of Texas as a Together in Texas course and is also recommended for engaged couples.